we're going to be uh, in two different psalms, Psalm 27 and Psalm 31. Psalms 27 and 31. In Psalm 27, we're going to look at verse 14. As soon as I get there, there we are. Psalm 27, I want you to look at verse 14. It says, Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Now go over to Psalm 31. And verse 24. The psalmist writes, Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart, all ye that hope in the Lord. And this morning I want to preach on that subject. Be of good courage. Let's pray. Father, bless once again. Thank you for your word. We pray that you would use your word. You said it would not return unto you void, but would accomplish that which you sent it to. And so we pray that you would, you would honor that promise. And Lord, as we preach the word, might hearts be touched, might might decisions be made and your Holy Spirit do a work in hearts and lives here. We certainly pray if there's one here without Christ that they'll come to Christ today and be saved, be born again, and know that joy of knowing when they slip out of this life that they'll go home to be with you in heaven. We thank you that Jesus died to make a way of salvation for us, that all we have to do is believe in him and trust him and put our faith in him and he'll save us. So I pray that you'd honor that this morning. And Lord, give me strength of voice and clarity of thought as I bring the message you've laid on my heart. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I titled this, Be of Good Courage. Be of Good Courage. You know, it's often been said that the Christian life is not a playground, but a battlefield. Anyone who sincerely seeks to live for the Lord knows how very true that statement is. Why the Christian life is seen as a battleground is no secret. Living a life based upon the principles and precepts of God's Word brings opposition from three different sources, the world, the flesh, and the devil himself. Thus, the battles we face are never-ending and can wear us down in our determination to live a life that's pleasing to the Lord. Our text verses for today are taken from two different psalms each giving a similar command. In both verses, the command is to be of good courage, and in doing so, God will strengthen our heart for the battles we face. What does that mean, to be of good courage? Well, it has the idea of being bold or being confident. It is to be fearless in the face of opposition. The foes we face as Christians are very real and very powerful. Yet we're not to be fearful, and we're not to be a timid people. We're to face our opposition with boldness, with confidence, and with courage. And so this morning, I want to share with you some ways we can display courage in our Christian walk. We shall see some examples of believers who were of good courage. And these are examples given to us that we might follow. 
How then can each of us display good courage in our Christian walk? Well, number one, we can do so by being like Abraham. Over in Genesis chapter 12, go back there if you know how to find Genesis chapter 12, first book of your Bible, and verse 1. Genesis chapter 12. I'm going to read the first four verses. It says, Now the Lord said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make thee a great nation, I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him, and Abram was seventy and five years old when he departed out of Haran. And then Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8 says this, By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out not knowing whither he went. We're talking about obeying like Abraham did. You know, Abraham was called by God, as we read in Genesis 12 here, to leave his homeland and to go to a place he had never been. He's called to leave Haran. He's called to leave his kindred, his extended family. Now, he did take his wife and his nephew with him. And he's called to go to a place God's going to show him later. He's going to have to go to a place he's never been. And God's going to show it to him later. And Abraham courageously obeyed what God told him to do. In Romans 4.20, it says of Abraham, he staggered not at the promise of God, through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. You know, as I think about what Abraham did, it took great courage for Abraham to abandon his homeland and his family and to venture out to an unknown place. God's command didn't seem logical. It didn't seem to make sense. Yet Abraham obeyed. It took courage uh, for him to do that. And you know, I was thinking about Abraham and we read about how he offered his son Isaac when God told him to go to that mountain and to offer up Isaac as a sacrifice. And once again, he was a man who obeyed the Lord. It took great courage to do what Abraham did. And I thought uh, about it, and I thought believers need to have the courage to obey God even when it doesn't seem logical or to make sense. I was thinking about an example of that. Most of us know Pastor Fidena. When he, he was in Glen Burnie, Maryland for nine years, pastoring a church there. And apparently the church was doing very well while he was pastoring it. It was growing, and God was blessing. And then there was a little church up there near where I live that uh, was without a pastor and needed a pastor. And somehow they got a hold of Pastor Fidenda's name, and some men went down to hear him preach, and, and uh, they said, yeah, this, this, this man would be a great pastor. So they asked him to come and be the pastor of Faith Baptist Church in Fairless Hills. The church had him candidate, and they called him. They said, we want you to come. This church in Fairless Hills was just a very small church and, uh, and uh, uh, not really uh, on fire for the Lord. And, but at any, at any rate, Pastor Vanana prayed about the matter, and God had him to leave that church that was doing so well and prospering and go up to that church that was struggling. And I thought, thank God he obeyed. And he had, he had to have the courage to step away from that 
ongoing work and to take a work that needed a lot of work. And, you know, God blessed that and God honored that. Boy, that church grew. We had a high day one day. There were 1,200 and some people. And uh, God blessed his, his faithfulness and his willingness to obey, even when it didn't seem logical. People would say, why would you leave a prospering church? Why would you uh, leave this place you've been for nine years and have your roots and go somewhere else where you've got to start all over again? He did it because God said to do it. And he had to have courage to do that. And, you know, as I thought about that, I thought about sometimes we need to just have the courage to step out by faith and do what God tells us to do and obey him. And it does take courage. You know, God never misleads, nor does God ever make a mistake. So when God speaks to us and has us, uh, uh, wants us to obey him, the best thing we can do is surrender and obey so we see Abraham. We can display courage in our Christian walk if we'll obey like Abraham did. But then we can also display courage in our Christian walk by suffering like Moses. Now I want you to go over to the book of Hebrews, chapter 11. That's towards the back of your Bible there, the, before Revelation. Hebrews, chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11 is God's hall of faith, and that God cites people in that chapter who, in, in the Old Testament, did great and mighty things by their faith. And now we look, look here, and we see in verses 24 through 27 a testimony about Moses. Well, I'll start at verse 23. By faith, Moses, when he was born, <coughs> excuse me, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child. They were not afraid of the king's commandment. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect under the recompense of the reward. So Moses now, is seen as suffering, uh, being courageous in suffering, and we need to be courageous in times of our suffering. And Hebrews tells us here, he, he rejected his position as Pharaoh's daughter. Now, we know he really wasn't Pharaoh's daughter. He was born of Miriam, and, uh, and uh, he was put down. Uh, no, he was born of Jochebed, and he was put down in that, that, that river to float in the little basket and and Pharaoh's uh, daughter found him, and she had him brought into the into, into Pharaoh's court there. And he was raised in the house of Pharaoh for 40 years. And he enjoyed all the trappings of the house of Pharaoh. But we find here in Hebrews chapter 11, it testifies how he gave up all those trappings of Pharaoh's house. And uh, he gave it up to become a sheep herder on the backside of a desert. And he went and spent 40 years out there. And then God had him to come back uh, to the children of Israel after 40 years and lead them out of, the, out of Egypt and the bondage of Egypt and uh, take them over there in the wilderness, and eventually they went to the promised land. But he had to do all that by courage. Think about Moses and that call God put on him through that burning bush, and God told him, I want you to go, and I want you to lead my people out of Egypt. Think about the courage that took to go and face Pharaoh. You know, 10 different times Moses went to Pharaoh and said, let my people go. 
And you know, any one of those times, Pharaoh could have said, had his, his, uh, his keepers there to take Moses and execute him, but he didn't. And each time, Pharaoh, uh, Moses had to have the courage to go before Pharaoh once again, and uh, he was willing to do that. And he had the courage to give up the trappings of the house of Pharaoh and go and live in the backside of a desert. It took courage to do like that. He suffered those things. And, you know, I thought about this. <clears throat> Sometimes we as believers have to willingly suffer and courageously suffer for the cause of Christ. We need to refuse some things just like Mero did, uh, Moses did. Do you know we need, we need to refuse the pleasures of sin? Isn't that what it says Moses did? He says he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter and uh, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Let me tell you something, friends. Sin is pleasurable. That's a fact. You say, well, preacher, you shouldn't say that. No, it's a fact. That's why we have such a struggle with it. If sin wasn't pleasurable, we wouldn't want it. But it's pleasurable, and the enemy loves to dangle it in front of our nose. He finds out where our weaknesses are, and he tries to entice us to sin against God. And, and, and we look at sin, and we know if we engage in sin, it is pleasurable. But don't forget, the Bible says it's only pleasurable for a season. That means there's a payday someday. Sin is pleasurable, but there comes a day when you pay the price for it. See, the Bible also says that be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. He that sows to the flesh, he that sows to the spiritual, the spirit. Well, I better leave that one alone. I got it backwards. Uh, but at any rate, when you sow to sin, you're going to reap sin. And but Moses knew that that he was living in pleasure, but he gave all that up. And when we look at the sin of the world, we need to say, "I'm not going to go there." And 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 we will suffer not not having that 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 that. Uh, enjoyment, if you will, pleasure, if you will, uh, but it's only for a season anyway. And so it takes courage to say no to sin. Sin is very alluring, and it's a constant foe. We need to refuse uh, the pleasures of sin, and then we need to refuse the acceptance of the world. Is there anybody in here who don't want to be popular? Is there anybody in here who wants to be considered to be weird? strange of course not but listen we can't we can't compromise and we can't yield ourselves to sin and, and and different things so that we'll be accepted by the world the world doesn't accept christians for what they are see we go against everything the world thinks at least we're supposed to the christian life ought to be exactly opposite the, the world's life and we shouldn't be like them. And when we're not like them, they're going to mock us and ridicule us and that kind of thing. And, uh, and they're going to hate the stand that we take for Christ. But we need, to, we need to take a stand and we need to be courageous. So number one, we need to be courageous by obeying like Abraham did. And then number two, by suffering like Moses did. Number three, by fleeing like Joseph did. And you know, I thought about this. Fleeing doesn't sound very courageous, does it? Running away doesn't sound very courageous, does it? 
But don't forget this. There are times when it takes courage to flee a situation. And that's what Joseph was up against. Remember, he was sold by his brothers to, to the Midianites, and they took him down there and sold him to Potiphar. And Potiphar made him the head of his whole house. Everything the man owned, he put in the hands of Joseph and said, you take care of it. Uh, we might call him the governor of the house, uh, a leader in the house. And Potiphar went and did his thing, whatever that was. And Joseph was taking care of all the business of Potiphar in his house. The problem was Potiphar had a wife who took a liking to Joseph. And she tried to entice him to, to have a relationship with her. And he would not. And uh, day after day, she would come to him and, and, and egg him on. Hey, big boy, let's get together. You know, hey, uh, I want you and that kind of thing. Day after day, trying to wear him down. And one day, she put her hands on him. And he fled. And the Bible says he left his coat as he fled. And somebody said he lost his coat, but he kept his character. Listen, Joseph did exactly the right thing in fleeing from that sin. <clears throat> Sometimes we need to have the courage to flee. We need to flee the alluring of sin. By that I mean we need to refuse to go to places we know we're going to face temptations. There's no reason a Christian ought to be in a bar room. That's a place of temptation. As far as I'm concerned, there's no reason a Christian ought to be in the casino. That's a place of temptation. As far as I'm concerned, there's no, no Christian ought to be down at the beach where everybody's getting almost naked. Uh, that's just a place of temptation. You see, we need to flee those kind of places. Anywhere where we're going to be tempted to sin, we need to avoid and flee from lest we, we fall. Sometimes we need to flee from some people some relationships. Hmm. You know, sometimes there's people we just can't hang around and maintain our Christian testimony. I thought of Proverbs 13, 20. He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. You know, it matters who you hang around with. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 33, we're told, be not deceived. Evil communications corrupts good manners. You know what that means? Hanging around with the wrong people will corrupt you. And so we need to, sometimes we need to flee from certain people. We need to separate from them. Each of us, each of us has to display courage in our Christian walk by obeying like Abraham, by suffering like Moses, by fleeing like Joseph, and then fourthly, by persevering like Daniel. Daniel's one of my heroes in the Bible. He faced a lot of opposition, yet he never gave in. In chapter 1 and verse 8, it tells us that he purposed in his heart that he would not be defiled with the king's meat. Daniel just took a stand and uh, that he wouldn't be defiled with anything. In other words, he wouldn't do anything God didn't want him to do, and he wouldn't uh, eat or drink anything God didn't want him to eat or drink. He would not defile himself. He just made that decision and then he persevered in that decision. He faced a lot of opposition. Uh, when he was commanded to eat the king's meat, he said no. When he was forbidden to pray. Now in chapter 6 of Daniel, a rule came down that nobody was to pray to anybody but the king for the next 30 days. Well, Daniel prayed to God every day, three times a day. That was, the Bible says, his manner. That's what he did day after day after day after day. For nearly 70 years of his life, he prayed to God three times a day. 
Well, when the king made a decree that he couldn't pray to God anymore, Daniel went home, threw, up the, threw open the windows, and knelt down and prayed three times every day. And he got in trouble for it. It took courage to do that, to go against the rules and the, and the tide and to go against society. But he did what was right in God's eyes, and he ended up in the lion's den for it. <clears throat> it cost him dearly. You say, well, he survived the lion's den. Yeah, but can you imagine having to face the lion's den? Can you imagine the turmoil in his soul at first when he realized, hey, I'm going to have to go in that lion's den? But then he found peace with God over the matter, and God took care of him when he was cast in there. And we know the story how he was in there overnight. The next morning, the king came and found Daniel without a scratch on him. And uh, he said, the angel of the Lord closed the lion's mouth that they couldn't devour him. But what I want you to understand is we as believers sometimes need to refuse to compromise our convictions we need to persevere in our convictions and not give up. Maybe there's an employer that might, in, uh, might order a Christian to do something that violates their convictions. We need to take a stand and say, no, I'm not going to do that. It may cost you your job. I remember my wife was working for somebody one time, and uh, the boss would come in, and people would be calling, looking for the boss. He told my wife, tell him I'm not here. She said, I can't do that. That's a lie, and I'm not going to lie. Well, she lost her job. But listen, she kept her character. Sometimes we have to have the, the courage to persevere in what we really believe. Uh, perhaps it's a family member who puts precious pressure on a believer who allows some things. Maybe, maybe it's a family member who tries to put pressure on you to allow alcoholic beverages in your home. Let me say this. I don't believe any Christian ought to have alcoholic beverages in their home. I don't care if it's beer, I don't care if it's wine, I don't care if it's liquor. I don't believe any Christian ought to have alcoholic beverages in your home. You say, well, I don't drink them, I just have them there for other people. You better read the book of Habakkuk that said, woe unto him that puts strong drink to his neighbor's lips. No, 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 we should not even have it in our house. I remember when I got saved and uh, hearing Pastor Fazenda preach about liquor and he used to say, the best thing you can do with it, don't give it away to somebody uh, just to get rid of it. Take it and dump it down the drain. That's the best thing you can do with it. He said it works better than Drano. I don't know about that, but it sounded good. No Christian ought to have alcoholic beverages in their home. Uh, that's not for us. But maybe your relatives say, well, I'll bring my own beer. Say, no, we don't keep beer in our house. Uh, maybe it's smoking cigarettes in your house. I don't believe any Christian ought to be smoking cigarettes. Uh, you know, somebody said, well, that sends you to hell. Well, no, it won't send you to hell, but it'll make you smell like you've been there. Amen? Uh, but listen, uh, I remember when I got saved, all of my family smoked cigarettes. Uh, all my brothers, my mom, my dad, they all did. And I remember <clears throat> we, we were having a gathering. I think we were having an Easter meal or something and it was kind of our turn to have the family over. And so we had invited everybody. And I told them, don't bring any liquor, and there's no smoking in the house. Boy, did we ever take the heat for that. Mm -mm, they were very, very upset. What do you mean? You know, in the past they could do all. No, 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 no. I've taken a stand, and I'm going to persevere in my stand. Sometimes it will make you very unpopular. I remember when I worked at that can company, and they had a softball team. I like to play softball. I'm not very good at it, but I like to play it. 
and uh, they were having games after work. We worked the midnight shift, and, and uh, they'd go, go home from work and, and, or go out from work and have a softball game. And uh, they, they, they said, uh, the one fellow came to me, and he said, uh, you want to play softball? I said, well, yeah, I'd like to play softball. Okay, we're having a game right after work today. He said, by the way, it's five bucks for beer. I said, what do you mean, five bucks for beer? He said, well, the losers are going to buy the beer for the winners, and if we lose, we've got to have the money to buy the beer. I said, no, thank you, I'm not coming. I don't drink beer, and I don't buy beer for anybody. Amen. I will not put drink to my neighbor's lips. But I want you to understand, that made me a little unpopular among the people I work with. You know, he don't want to play softball with us. No, 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 I'd love to play softball. I just don't want the beer part of it. Amen? But sometimes you got to take a stand. you got to have the courage to persevere in your convictions. Believers need to have that kind of courage. And then we ought to have the courage of Peter, venturing like Peter. You know, Peter is usually known for his denying the Lord. This seems like when we think of Peter, that's the first thing we think of. But I want you to look over at Matthew chapter 14. Matthew, the 14th chapter. Go over there for just a minute. And verses 28 and 29 in Matthew 14. My pages are sticking together. There we are. Verses 28 and 29. Now the scene is the disciples have been sent out on the, the Lake Gennesaret or Sea of Galilee to go across the sea, and it's become nighttime. Jesus is not with them. He went up into a mountain to pray. And so while they're out there, a storm kicks up, and they're in the middle of this storm, and it's midnight, and all of a sudden they see this, this shadow, uh, this, this, this thing walking across the water, and pretty soon they recognize it's the Lord walking on the water, coming to them. And as Peter sees this in, in verses 28 and 29, it says, uh, 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 verse 27, But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if, if, be thou, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Listen, the wind was boisterous and and he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? You know, think about this. There were 12 disciples in that boat, all 12 of them, 12 of them going across that sea. And, uh, but, but only one of them ever got out of that boat and walked on water. What made the difference? Peter had two things. Number one, he had faith. And number two, he had courage to do what the Lord bid him to do. He's the only one that would dare to do the impossible. Everybody knows we can't walk on water. But Peter said, bid thou come unto, he, unto you, and, and he's going to have to walk across water to get there. But he had the courage to ask the Lord that he might do the impossible. And we need to have the courage to dare to do what's seemingly impossible. You know, all too often we let our fears cripple us and overrule our faith. No, fear should never overrule our faith. And you know, it takes courage to venture by faith. 
when it seems impossible, when the opposition, opposition to what we want to do for the Lord seems unbeatable, when success seems unlikely, we need to step out on faith and be courageous for the Lord. And then one final thing. We need to display courage for the Lord by testifying like Paul. Now I'll go over the book of Acts, just a few pages there. The book of Acts, chapter 26. Verses 22 and 23. Acts 26, verses 22 and 23. And the Bible says, There having therefore obtained help of God, I continue unto this day witnessing both to small and great, saying none other things than those which the prophets and Moses did say should come, that Christ should suffer, and then he should be the first that should rise from the dead, and should show light unto the people and to the Gentiles. Listen, Paul was another example of having to have courage, and his courage was to testify. Over in Acts chapter 20, I think it's verse 20, he says how he went from house to house testifying of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was a faithful witness to the Lord in every situation. Didn't matter where Paul was, didn't matter what his circumstances were, he was a faithful witness for the Lord. He said, I continue unto this day witnessing both to the small and great. After his salvation, Paul spent the very rest of his life spreading the gospel witness. And you know, his spreading the gospel witness wasn't, wasn't a pleasant thing. I mean, he, I'm sure he enjoyed doing it for the Lord, but it brought a lot of opposition and a lot of unpleasant circumstances he witnessed for the Lord over in Philippi, and he ended up in the jailhouse. And he was beaten, stripped naked, he and Silas, and put down in that jail, in that dungeon. And the, the jails of those days weren't anywhere near what our jails are today. Uh, you know, they were awful, awful places. But that's where Paul ended up, simply because he was preaching the word of God and declaring Jesus Christ to the lost. Another time he was preaching Christ and he got stoned to death. The people stoned him to where they believed he was dead and I believe he was dead and they drug him outside the city and just left his body there. And God resurrected him and continued using him. Listen, it wasn't easy for Paul. He was jailed, he was beaten. Many, he said he received stripe 39, uh, was it 40 times he received 39 stripes? He just got beat. I can't imagine what his back looked like after all those beatings. And yet he kept going. He, he had the courage to go on and, uh, and uh, not let anything stop him. He wouldn't let anything hinder his witness for the Lord. You know, every believer ought to be as ardent in our witness for the Lord Jesus Christ as Paul was. Now, understand, we're called upon to be witnesses of, of the Lord. In, in Matthew 28, Verses 19 and 20, it says, But go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things which I've commanded you. Listen, that's a command for us to go and tell people how to be saved and then to get them baptized and then to disciple them. In Matthew, or Mark, chapter 16, verse 15, it says, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's a command to us. 
in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Ye shall be witnesses in me, both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. That's for us to be witnesses for him. And we need to have a boldness. We, have, we need to have a determination that we're going to be ardent witnesses for the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you understand this? How important it is that we, that we submit ourselves to the, the command of Christ to witness for the Lord? Go over to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. I want you to see verses 13 and 14. It says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, in verse 13. And then uh, this next verse follows right on the heels of that. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? How shall they hear without a preacher? And then verse 17 of that same chapter. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. How shall they hear without a preacher? Somebody's got to take the message to the lost of the world. That's the only way they're going to get saved. You know, God didn't write the, write the, the plan of salvation up in the stars. He could have if he wanted to. God didn't, get, didn't put the, his plan of salvation on every apple or every peach or every orange that was ever picked off of a tree. God, God, God didn't work that way. No, what he did was he gave the gospel message to his people, and he said, now take this and share it. We're responsible for that. If we don't tell them, who's going to tell them? How shall they hear without a preacher? But understand this. Though we're commanded to tell them, and though it is the best news they will ever hear, they don't know it. But it's the best news they'll ever hear that Jesus died for them and he'll save them if they'll come to him, if they'll open their heart to Jesus Christ. Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will hear my voice and open the door, I'll come into him and sup with him and he with me. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's what the Bible says. God wants to save every person in this world. He's not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance, the Bible says. And friend, he wants to save you if you're not saved. And he will if you'll come to him, if you'll open that door. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and sup with him and he with me. And so the desire and the will of God is to see people saved. The desire and will of Jesus is to save lost people so that they don't have to die and go to hell. Uh, let me remind you, if you die without Jesus Christ, anyone who dies without having accepted Christ as their personal Savior is going to spend an eternity in the, in the lake of fire with the devil and his crowd, according to the Scriptures. And so, friend, it's, it's, it's so, so uh, we need to be adamant, we need to be de uh, de determined, if you will, that we're going to get the Word of God out to a lost and dying world. But understand this, when we're witnesses and the true kind of witnesses we ought to be, it can bring negative results. You can be persecuted because of your witness. 
I've heard of people who were persecuted on their job because of their witness. Sometimes people were persecuted by their own family because of their witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. They're, they try to witness to their loved ones and tell them how to be saved, and it's taken wrong. Their loved ones think they're trying to make them Baptists or trying to make them religious. No, 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 they're trying to keep them out of hell, but they don't understand that. And so sometimes we face opposition from our loved ones uh, that we talk to or our coworkers. Sometimes there's personal attacks. I remember when I was at that can company, a couple of personal attacks. Uh, they attacked my toolbox when I wasn't, wasn't around uh, because of my witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. Sometimes it'll happen to you. Sometimes your best friend will turn on you because you told them about Jesus. But we have to have the courage to testify like Paul had the courage. No matter what the situation, no matter what the circumstance, no matter what price it might bring, we have to be willing to pay that price. Many we witness to don't want to hear what we have to say. And then understand, the enemy is going to try to silence us. You know, the devil don't want us going around telling people that they can be saved and that Jesus loves them and he'll save them if they'll come to him. He don't want, he don't want to, the devil hates when people get saved because now he can't take them to hell. And so he'll oppose us and our flesh will oppose us. You know, uh, going soul winning and, and reaching out to people, uh, that's not an easy thing for our flesh and it will oppose us. But we need to say no to the flesh and say yes to the Lord. Peer pressure. Uh, our peers around us, the unsaved around us, you know, we don't want, as I said earlier, nobody wants to be so looked at as weird or strange or a Bible thumper or, you know, Joe Holy or anything of that nature. So sometimes those around us, our peer pressure will keep us from being the witnesses we need to be. But we need just to make up our mind. We need to just determine like Paul did, nothing's going to stop me. And Paul had the courage to do it in the face of opposition, in the face of stoning, in the face of torture, in the face of beatings, he stood firm and fast in his witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, we're called upon to be of good courage. The Christian life is a battleground, and our enemies are constantly, continuously fighting against us. But we're to be bold, the Bible says. We're to be confident. We're to be of good courage. And God will strengthen us our heart. And the question to us today is, are you living a courageous life for the Lord? Or have you allowed the world, the flesh, and the devil to hinder in your Christian walk and your Christian witness? Only you can answer that question, those questions. Bow your heads and close your eyes for just a minute. Most of the folks in this room profess faith in Christ. That means you say you're saved, and, and I take it your word. And so I want to talk to you who are in that situation. You, you, you've settled the issue on whether you're going to heaven when you die or not. But let me ask you this. Are you living a courageous life for the Lord? Are you standing against the opposition? Are you courageous to obey when it don't seem to make sense? Are you courageous in your, in your witness for the Lord Jesus Christ? With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I wonder how many Christians could, could testify with the uplifted hand and say, Preacher, I believe I am being of good courage for the Lord in my life. Here's my hand. Would you hold it up high? I believe I am 
being of good courage like God wants me to be. Here's my hand. You can put it down. I wonder how many believers could not raise their hand. You say, yes, I'm saved, and preacher, I'm trying to live for the Lord, but I can't say I've been of good courage, and, uh, and, I, I, and I, I've, I've obeyed him when it didn't make sense, and, and, and I've witnessed for him, and, and uh, regardless of the situation, and, and I've shown courage in my Christian walk. Preacher, I can't say I've done that, and God's convicted me this morning, and I'm asking him to help me to walk in courage. Here's my hand. Would you hold it up high? Hands going up. Hands going up. I've let, I've let fear keep me from being what I need to be. Fear of opposition, fear of my peers, fear of, of being ridiculed and mocked, fear of, of losing something. I've let that hinder me in my Christian walk. Preacher, I'm asking God today to help me to be of good courage and to walk in courage and not fear. Here's my hand. Anyone else this morning? Last question. 